I did not deal with anger or losing very well, but in Asian culture, you're not really supposed to show that. You're allowed yeah. to feel not happy about things. I was playing four chess tournaments every single year as like a five-year-old. I love you say that really casually. A lot of the tournaments that I won, I didn't really feel happiness. I didn't feel happy. Yeah. I felt relief. Winning World Youth changed my life, but at that current moment, it was more like, well, thank God I finally did this. At age three, Nemo learned chess. At age five, she won a Finland national championship. At 16, she became a woman grandmaster. Then she quit. When you've spent your entire life winning a game, you realize you now hate playing. Where do you go next? Today, Nemo shares why she quit chess, how she found meaning afterwards as a top Twitch streamer, and how she learned to make peace with her parents, all on the Carrot Podcast. You started playing chess at age three. You won your own first tournament at age five. So, uh, yeah, how has that shaped you as a person, needing to <laughs> win so young? Well, one of my favorite parts, and this is actually a big reason why I wanted to be on this podcast, Eric, is because you're Asian. Okay, tell me more. And I think it's really, and I, I've like watched a bunch of like the Carrot podcasts and they're really cool oh. with like Ashley and like I mentioned this, but I think it's very um, different sort of growing up. Obviously, there's a lot of very competitive people out there. And I mm. have to admit that when I was a kid, I was very competitive, but I don't know if I was play chess for 20 years competitive. Yeah. And I have to attribute, honestly, a lot of like the years that I have spent playing chess to my parents. Not a lot of it was voluntary. A lot of it was because they wanted me to do it. But also a lot of it was because I thought this was truly like my best avenue in life as like a seven year old. Like I thought if I became world chess champion, I get to go to Harvard and then I get to work on Wall Street, and then I'll get <laughs> stack on the Asian American speed run to success. Exactly. Like for me, well, at that time I was living in Finland. So like, there's not a lot of, well, first of all, I was one of 10 Chinese kids in the city. I knew every wow. other Chinese kid in the city because my mom would run the Sunday, like the Sunday Chinese And she'd school. gather all of them together. Yeah, she'd gather all of them together and everybody would get like the Chinese lessons. Um, but Growing up in that sort of environment where in Scandinavia, it's a lot less, you feel a lot less pressure, mm -hmm. I think, to, you know, get into college at 18, graduate by 22, have your first like real job, I guess, at like 24 or whatever. And then you better have like a multi whatever career by the time you're 30. Mm -hmm. And I think... It's very different in Scandinavia. So it was really interesting growing up with that parallel um, while my parents were like the complete opposite of that. And I got to see a lot of my classmates sort of, you know, just have a more relaxed environment where I, whereas I was playing um, like at least four chess tournaments every single year as like a five-year-old. So Scandinavians are chill. Scandinavians are super chill. But you're in your own little Chinese enclave <laughs> within the Scandinavian environment where it's just grind, grind, grind. Yeah. I remember you said in a previous podcast where you would tie your self-worth and like, <laughs> do I get to live to, did I perform well and did I win? 
Yes, basically. And that's so toxic. I have to tell so you. Toxic. Do, not, do not do that. Don't do this, kids. Yeah. Learn chess, but not that way. Yes. I, I, I definitely think that if I had learned chess in a slightly different way, I might have enjoyed it more. And it might have actually gone like gone on as a longer career, like a competitive career I'm talking about. But with the way that I did it, I felt really burnt out by the time I was 17. Yeah, that's 14 years of yeah. playing chess at that point. Pretty self-explanatory. So you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people wow. are like, why didn't you just keep playing? And I'm like, well, you see, I already had like one and a half decades of playing yeah. by the time I was... It's like, okay, well, you try doing the exact same game for 14 yeah. years in a row and see how you feel. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say, I like in retrospect, it could have been worse. How could it have been worse? I could have, well, at least I have a career now yeah. because of it. I think okay. it could have been worse in the sense that I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there who were pushed by their parents to do X thing. And then they burnt out, didn't want to do it anymore. And they weren't able to convert said game, whatever mm. it is, into an actual career after that. Because like any reason, right? Like some, some of them might probably didn't want to. Like, like you, might, you can just be completely done. Um, but I think having chess really helped me become a content creator. And I would have never become a content creator without it so i can't like ignore that fact and say i don't appreciate that yeah but i can say that i don't appreciate the way that i was like kind of pushed to do chess but at the same time hey it's fine like we're it's, here now <laughs> i feel like it's like a very asian thing to also be like well it could have been worse how could it have been worse i could have been like not winning <laughs> Yeah, you know, I could have not won World Youth. That would have been worse if I didn't yeah. win. And then, yeah. like, become a popular Twitch streamer <laughs> off my chess play. Like, imagine going through that and not even yeah. getting it. And I think it goes to, like, for example, you played it for 14 years. You mm -hmm. really burn out the end. You were inculcated, like, needing to play growing up. And we're sitting here right now <laughs> with a chess board in front of us. We are. We definitely are. Like, if people meet you for the first time, they'll be like, oh, here's Nemo. She's an amazing human being and a lovely pickleball player. <laughs> Thank you. And for those of your friends who aren't me, they'll be like, well, yeah, she is a chess grandmaster as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's very um, like when it comes to your identity these days, I feel like so much of it becomes tied in with what you do online. But it's also really nice to like know Eric as a person and like having played pickleball with you and like having chatted with you completely in a non-creator environment on like basically, you know, 80% of the time that we've actually yeah. interacted. I feel like it's so much nicer because <laughs> like I think so much of the time I'm interacting with someone and the first thing I, I'm seeing really is like what is essentially their Twitch profile. Like mm. these are the games this this person plays. These are their accolades. This is what they've done, you know, and then you work on something with them. But am I really getting to know them? And of course I can get to know them. It's not like it's one or the other, but so much of the time, the first thing you see about someone is like a profile and you're in your brain. You're already like, well, <laughs> so when, when did I convert from NPC to human being? <laughs> what was the moment? <laughs> I think after I stopped seeing you at all the LA events, once That's I started true. going to pickleball, like playing pickleball with you, you stopped 
being like Eric from Carrot and like, yeah. oh yeah, oh, it's Eric. Eric. It's Eric. I have a similar role where I think you need to meet someone in like three different contexts mm-hmm. before they become like a real person. Yeah. And I remember the first time I met you, it was at the Streamer Awards. It was the right. first ever Streamer Awards that yes. Cutie hosted. And it was just like a quick high bye. Yeah. It was like, hello, person. Great to meet you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. And the second time I met you, where we talked a little bit more, we were at Alex and Andrea Botez's party. And I remember Michelle Carre yep. was there as well. And we chatted a little. But yeah, the third time, <laughs> okay, you were so good at pickleball and really competitive. <laughs> Competitive for no reason at all. It's pickleball. I've never played pickleball before. This, I think this was the first time. But you've played tennis. I played tennis. And I remember yeah. the first time you came out, you dove for a ball, fell, and your knee was bleeding. <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, this is my energy because immediately I was like, we need to play a one-on-one. And from what I remember, I think you beat me the first time. Did I? Yeah. Well, you've definitely beat me a few I, times. That, that I'm sure about. I think our score is like very even i think yeah. i think eric is a very good pickleball player and i think he doesn't necessarily use his full strength probably because i'm usually challenging him like two hours into that's, the- that's the nicest way of saying like he could be good but he's kind of not <laughs> i think eric worked very hard Ooh, that's, in pickleball. that's the damning by faint praise version <laughs> so when you play pickleball how much of it is fun versus winning I would say I genuinely have a lot of fun playing. I think like physical, well, obviously there's all the science behind it. I'm sure I don't need to go into that, but I would say it's probably like 50-50 at this point. Like I still have fun even if I don't win. But half of it is to win. Half of it is for winning. (laughs) So then what about chess? How much of that now, if someone were to come up to you and be like, Nemo, I want to play you money match Uh right now. How much of that is this is fun versus I will destroy you? I think it is 100% I will destroy you. Wow. Even years after you've left the game. My last competitive tournament was um, a year and a half ago in Vegas, actually, ironically. And then I played a full series of WSF. Like I played like five, six events of W. We went from chess to poker. Yeah, like immediately after. And the poker went a lot better than the chess did. And I think that's when I really realized that like, you know, like chess is great and all but like why am i not just playing more poker like because you're winning more in poker yeah i'm winning more in poker i find it more fun there's more money to be won of course there's more money to be lost so please don't take this as like everybody every kid should go play poker like please don't take it as that but i was i I like really had a moment of realization last year i was like huh what what am i doing doing this (laughs) why am i doing this it's like your previous lover who you've left yeah. because it was toxic, but then you see them in again and you're just like, but why don't I just see this other person who's yeah. way more fun and gives me more things? Yeah. And like, I think it's really fun to play blitz chess tournaments. Yeah. Like fast time controls, I think are the future. And I love bullet. I love blitz. And I genuinely play those just for fun all the time. But classical chess, the tournaments that take 11 days I'm just there like well you know with with these 11 days of my life I could have potentially gone and played a full you know week of poker and yeah lived a life yeah so I think with chess like you know part of it is also that it's 2023 and this game is like thousands of years old and Mm. sometimes um it's hard to 
like really keep up the change and pay like games like league of legends have a new meta every yeah. few months tft has a freaking new patch every like two months and i don't even know like unless i'm in box boxes boot camp i don't even know what is going on i haven't seen that champ before i have no idea but with chess it's been the same our last patch was in the 1800s if not like earlier than that wow. so yeah, I think chess is a great game, but um, the current tournament format for it is a little bit slow in my personal opinion. Are you opinion. not excited? I've seen on YouTube, there's like four-dimensional time travel chess now. I love that. Five, it's five-dimensional time travel chess Pardon on Steam. Pardon my language. <laughs> five-dimensional. I missed the dimension there. I genuinely have no idea where the five-dimensional comes from, but I played it on stream like two years ago when it came out. And I loved it because I was the only person I think that read the rules. Every other yeah, chess player, yeah, every other chess player that I challenged was just there, like trying to move the bishop or and like nice same way, and they didn't realize you can, like, if you checkmate in any of the dimensions that you create, you win the game automatically. Like, you win the game. Of course, of course, but Naturally. you're but the king can also go to the other dimension depending on what square. So, anyways, it's a long story, but I was the only person that read the rules, so I won. <laughs> when you think about your path. Mm -hmm. starting chess from h3 alternate dimension nemo yeah do you think if it hadn't been chess it would have been something something else like do you think that competitive obsessive nature was always there or do you think it very much is a product of your parents were like yeah you're gonna learn chess oh that's such a good question i think the nature versus nurture question is like one of my favorite points to like converse about um i definitely would say I, you know, played chess at the very, very start because I wanted to. Like when I was three, up until basically like around like nine, ten, I actually really enjoyed the game and thought it was a lot of fun. Like I was this little kid. I just yeah. got into it. I was really good right off the bat. So I think winning early helps. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like winning early just helps you like stay in the game, right? Like if you're losing, you're like, well, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah, if but. you're losing, then you need to have like character <laughs> yeah, exactly. and motivation. Yeah. But if you're winning, you're like, okay, guess I'll go in and win some more. Right. And I think um, because I won so many tournaments when I was younger, I just like thought this was it. This is, this yeah. is going to be my life. And then I started facing adversity, right? And then it's like, well, you know, this isn't as easy. And through the adversity, you work through it a little bit. And then at some point you realize, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like right. time spent, the effort isn't quite worth it. So yeah, I don't know. It's a hard question. Do you remember the first time where you were like, ooh, I don't know if I like this the same way I did before? Yeah, I do. I think I very clearly remember it um, during 2010 World, World Youth Trust Championships. I believe it was in Greece, in Halki Dicky. And I think like, that was the time when my parents and I were trying to move away from Finland to Canada. So I gave my school like a two-week notice, like, hey, guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to move to Canada. And, you know, at that time, I lived already in like China, France, and Finland. So it didn't feel that new to me. But um, I like some point during that tournament, I was like, it's, it's such a hard feeling to explain, but I was like, I'm going to be in this brand new country. It's going to be so different. Yet here I am playing this chess tournament in Greece. And this is like supposed to be what's the biggest deal of my life. And it's just these feelings of like, 
what am I doing? <laughs> like, you know, like, is this just what I'm going to be doing for the rest? Like, now that I'm away from Finland, am I going to just restart chess in Canada? Am I just going to keep playing? Um, and I think that's when I really realized, like, hey, maybe... I don't, at that point, I guess I already played, like, seven, six years. Wow. Six years. So my goal my goal was always to become world youth champion. Um, and I was always really close each year, like, fourth, fifth, but never quite first. And I was like, man, this is going to be a struggle. What then did you do about it? Like, did you talk about it with your parents? Did you start to play? You gave an expression on your face when I said that. Well, I think we all know that talking to your parents uh, is not always the easiest. Yeah, how did they take it? Yeah, they, they did not take it. I don't think there was even an acknowledgement from my mom. Like, I, I don't think she acknowledged the conversation. I think it was just like, a oh, okay. And then back to normal, like settle into a new school in Canada, kept playing chess. And at times, chess can be really like something that you've done so many times on routine can be comforting. Yeah. Because at least, you know, like, I probably won't lose at this. I'm probably good at this. And the chess community is, you know, always around in the world. Like there's a lot of chess players out there, mm. which is really cool. But yeah, no, Asian, my, my parents, duh. You know, <laughs> I picture you going and be like, yeah, mom. So I'm having this like existential realization. <laughs> you know, this thing I've been doing since I was three years old. What is it all for? <laughs> do I still want to do this? I'm scared. Who am I? Yeah, exactly. And your mom's like, no, just keep playing chess. Cool. It'll all work all right. out. So uh, I'll see you in Canada and we'll get right back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially too. I mean, you mentioned from ages three to 10, you like really enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. to me, that like blows my mind. Like. I don't have conscious memory of myself as a three-year-old. <laughs> Presumably, I was just eating my pants all the time. <laughs> and you're like playing chess. There's a ritual when the Dalai Lama dies and they're looking mm -hmm. for his reincarnation. You yeah. probably know this. They go out and they try to find his successor by giving him like a selection of items and toys and being like, will he choose the same one that the original Dalai Lama did? Yes. They do I this in this. Korean culture as well. Really? Yeah. When you turn one year old, they'll put... The different pieces, like a pen for like, you're going to be a writer, right? Wait, this is like the avatar. Remember how they picked yes. the avatar? Okay, yes. sorry. This is it is like the avatar. Okay. Although, believe it or not, the Koreans and the Tibetans did come up with this before Avatar. avatar did. Yeah, they're not just copying. Avatar did this as well. And like the whole point is it's like when you're a baby, you don't know what the f*** you're doing. Yeah, it's true. But you are playing chess at three years old. How did you even know you liked it? Like, how did you even... Were you just like, oh, like, what's this? Like, how do you even get into it? I actually very specifically took like a night. I saw a night in the like the uh, front of a chess club. And I was like, I love the shape of the night. Like the horsey. The horsey. Yeah, the horsey. I love the horsey. And I was you were like. a horse girl. I was. I mean, I actually like have never rode horses. I don't even like horses particularly that much. But I for some reason really liked the shape of the yeah. horsey when I was three. Um, this was in France. And then I just like, my mom just took me in the chess club. And that's when I started learning the rules. And they were like, you can't just play with it. And you can't just play with the horsey. You can't just the play. horsey can only move in L-shaped configuration. <laughs> exactly. And also, it comes with five other friends that you also have to learn oh, the rules Oh, and you for. need to gather your friends and crush the enemy horsey. Exactly. Because they're bad. <laughs> yep. And you're just like four or three years old. You're like, okay, I guess if I have to play with horsey, <laughs> like we have to learn how to wage war. <laughs> yep, yep. I think it's, um, I think you, like kids are surprisingly good at learning things. Like yeah. I always get surprised when a kid picks up something really fast because I'm like, 
yeah, you're probably just like a little idiot who like, you know, doesn't do anything all day, but then they, then they show up and then they actually play a really good game of chess or something. I'm like, you know what? This kid has talent. <laughs> well, I like to think it's two sides of the same coin. It's the same idiocy that can lead to brilliance because when we're young, our brains are so plastic. Mm-hmm. When we grow older, yeah, it all becomes about optimization. Right. And it's very focused on short-term optimization. What can I do today that's going to set me up to be a little bit better than what I was doing yesterday? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and, like, this is important. But when you're a kid, like, you're not thinking about any of that. You're just doing crazy which half the time comes off like you're an idiot, but half the time might come off like you're a genius. I think it's so underrated being a kid because, like, you get to get away with anything. Like, you can do yeah. almost anything and, and not, like, you know, like, obviously, it's not cool as a kid to get yelled at by your parents or anything like that. But in the long scheme, like, in the long run, like, hey, you're not being hunted by the IRS. The government's not out <laughs> searching for you. You know, you're... <laughs> yeah, Nemo, hypotheticals, I'm sure. <laughs> no, like, I'm... after this podcast, Nemo is never to be seen again. <laughs> the IRS would like to know where she is. All I'm trying to say is, I think as an adult, only two things are certain. Taxes and death. And like as a kid. That's dark. Yeah, but like my point is as a kid, you have so much freedom. Like you have your whole life ahead of you. And I'm not saying you can't have that as an adult. I'm just saying it's much harder. You have responsibilities. You like probably don't have that much liquidity. Like you can't just get up, move somewhere if you wanted to. You probably have like, you know, either parents to care for, significant other, maybe like pet. You might have a kid like so many things, right? And I think as a kid, you're just free of those responsibilities. And, you know, you, you have so many opportunities. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. Because you spent your childhood being semi-forced to play <laughs> a millennial-old game for right. over 14 years. As an adult, like, theoretically, you could play, you could not play, you could play mm -hmm. poker, you could play pickleball, like, you can do more. So as a kid, did you feel free? As a kid, I definitely didn't feel free. But I think now being older and having like all the stuff to deal with, like taxes, visa, like all these things that yeah. I have to deal with, my car, for example, like paying rent, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, all these things. And it's like, as a kid, I didn't have to think about that. It was just chess. It was just chess. I could like, I mean, okay, well, I didn't have much of a choice, but I could have not spent eight hours a day on chess as like a five-year-old and done other things hypothetically. Um, unfortunately that wasn't my childhood, but at least I didn't have rent to pay. I didn't have taxes. My food was paid for by my parents, you know? I get it. It's like, in a way <laughs> you had the freedom of only focusing on <laughs> yeah. being forced to do chess yeah. versus now you have the ability to do theoretically a lot more things mm -hmm but you also have the obligations yeah. of a lot more things as well. I think so. I think that's why a lot of the time, I don't know about you, but I personally feel trapped a little bit sometimes where I feel stuck and I'm like, I just want to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. But obviously you don't have the time to do that or you don't have the energy, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the money. There's just so many things that- What are some of those things? What do you feel trapped in doing today that you don't want to do? Well, I mean, one of the things that I've always wanted to do since I started playing poker is just to become like a full-time poker professional. Like not necessarily yeah. a content creator, but just play, like really play. And yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. What's can't, stopping can't, can't you? really do that. Well, a lot of it is like, having to work on the game. Like you have to actually get good at the game 
if you want to become like if you want to play these events like all these events and stuff right like you just don't want to be a losing player um the other part of it is like money it's just like finances it's it's not necessarily the most safe career you know being, option being, out there. being a <laughs> twitch streamer that's the stable job that's really stable at least twitch only takes 50 percent of your you know sub sub check but uh with poker you never know you can lose it all 100 percent. yeah so i won't say that i think streaming is particularly stable thankfully i've always felt very stable with my streaming but i think that at least with content creation i have a lot more flexibility than i would have had if I had just done like what I originally thought I was going to do. Yeah. So there are elements of what you did growing up that clearly still draw you in today. Mm -hmm. The focus to spend obsessively on getting good at one thing, <laughs> except now you're describing wanting to do it on your own terms. Like what yeah. really matters is not, you know, <laughs> being semi forced to, because what your parents want when you're five years old is also what you want. Yeah. But getting to say, like, I want to go do this. Mm -hmm. This actually goes back. So you, you brought up the whole nature versus nurture thing. Yeah. And, like, I'm just hearing this. This is just clearly a part of you, this drive. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, even in pickleball, you said 50% of your enjoyment is from winning. <laughs> and when you think back to the nature versus nurture question, like, clearly you had some of these traits in you already. That nurture piece with your parents... I just remember when I was growing up, the expectation for me, it was in chess. Yeah. It was, this is so specific. It was investment banking. Like as a little kid? From when I was like five years old, it was <laughs> like, oh, like you want to go onto Wall Street and be an investment banker. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even know. I mean, I barely even Do know what it like, is now. Explain to you what investment bank. Like, I'm trying to imagine how this conversation <sighs> went. Well, <laughs> so like my dad, we grew up really, really poor mm -hmm. because you know my dad, my parents are immigrants from China, and my dad started off as a nuclear physicist wow. in Canada. So I also grew up in Canada. That's crazy. Yeah, in a remote little town, there was like three thousand people live there. There's a nuclear power plant. He was a scientist there, and my mom was like, "Can we not raise our kid next to nuclear radiation?" And also, he's making thirty thousand dollars a year. We moved to the States and he decided to look for jobs that could actually support his family. Yeah. He broke into finance like the hard way. He didn't have That's like crazy. pedigree. It wasn't like yeah. University of Toronto or Harvard. He right. barely knew English, but he's just really good with numbers. And eventually, by the time I graduated high school, we weren't poor anymore because he was just that good at math. For him, he saw this hallowed land that he wasn't able to break into, but mm -hmm. he got so close to. It's like, oh, Wall Street. Yeah. That's where I want my son to get to. So yeah, from like age five onwards, from when my dad switched into finance, it was like, that was it for me. And so high school was always optimizing for getting into Harvard so that at Harvard, I could optimize to get into Wall Street, like mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs or whatever. To every class, every club, even my friendships, they were always meant to be something that would support me on this path. I relate to this so much. First of all, I actually didn't know you're from China. Do you speak yeah. any Mandarin? That's okay. Just just keep that part. Yeah. Um but I I hundred percent hear you. A big part of like why my parents pushed me so much for chess was because well, not that they thought that it would like lead me directly to investment banking or anything like that, um, but 
there weren't a lot of like really good opportunities in Finland being not Finnish. <laughs> you know and and like how did they even end up in finland there aren't that good, many you said there are 10 chinese people in finland like how did you even end up there that's a good question there's okay so finland has five million people yeah very small country and they ended up there because in the early 2000s um china started like opening up its borders a little bit more and they were like part of the first few that left china to become researchers in europe or elsewhere and they actually ended up in France first. So wow. my dad was at Sophia Antipoli in Antibes. And that's where I started playing chess. And then they got like relocated to Finland, like northern Finland. What type of research did he do? He at that time was doing a lot of um, IT, so informational wow. information technology. And at that time they were developing um, like you know, all these kind of projects like self-driving cars. Like they were trying to develop emotional intelligence. That was a lot. That's ironic because he clearly could have used more of that (laughs) in raising you. But, you know, go off, develop it in AI. You know, funnily enough, um, my mom has a PhD in English philology, which is kind of like the study of like how people use the English language and what like gestures and stuff are. And I always thought like she spent so much time analyzing tapes of like people sitting around and like talking. I was like... Did, did you, like, never realize? <laughs> so, so your mom's studying how people use language and communicate. Yeah. And your dad's developing emotional intelligence. And you come out age 10, you're like, hey, mom and dad, I don't think I want to just play chess for the rest of my life. And they're like, sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, but I think they thought that this was the best choice for me, given that, like, they also, you know, didn't have as many opportunities growing up. I'm sure like our parents are roughly the same age. So it was like a really tough time in China. So they grew up with hardship and like wow. having to come out of that into a completely new world. And my parents both spoke English, but settling in Finland definitely wasn't easy for them either because we didn't speak Finnish by like at the time. And then like we also moved out of Finland. So we didn't even really get to like set roots there. So I think they just really wanted me to have the ability to like care for myself, get into a good job and do all of that. And their conclusion, like chess, because, oh, she's good at it. Yeah. That's going to unlock right. everything. Yeah, exactly. They were like, if she just wins nationals, if she wins worlds, she's got to get into Harvard. Disclaimer. I mean, I did not get into Harvard. You went to the University of Toronto. <laughs> it, the Harvard of the it's North. It's literally a top school. <laughs> Harvard of the North. Yeah, it's a pretty good school for sure. I, I was really happy going, actually. I was like, Yay. I don't. I won't have like you know three hundred thousand dollars in debt by the time I'm out. So. Oh, you got a full scholarship. Uh, no tuition in Canada is only eight thousand a year if wow. you're in like go in Canada province. Yeah, yeah, go Canada. When you're moving around from Finland to France, Canada, your parents are like, "Chess is the secret to your life." Like, did you have friends growing up? How did oh my that work? God. Because like, I grew up in Indiana. Like, <laughs> everyone there is white. <laughs> I remember when I was five years old, or no, I was like six years old, a guy came up to me. He was just like, he's a kid. Yeah. He's not malicious. He's like, what's wrong with your eyes? <laughs> That's, oh no. But like, he wasn't trying to be me. Yeah, he was yeah, genuinely just you. like, what's wrong with your eyes? Like, what, what are like, you? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so slanty. <laughs> it's so different. Yeah. Um, I honestly had, I had friends growing up, not a lot. And I definitely was bullied a little bit. 
Um, but I don't think I really had time for friends growing up either. Like that feels even worse. Yeah, no, but but I'm I never went to I went to one classmate's house the entirety of the time I was living in Canada. I think like in the eight years or whatever of school I did in Canada, I think I went to, I visited one friend for a birthday party. Like I never went to some anybody. Like I I just never went over. I was never allowed to either. Um, never allowed to go to parties or anything like that. Obviously, but yeah, it was just like very different. I would say I was always friends with like the other people of color. Yeah. Or the kids that like didn't grow up in Finland when I was living in Finland. Like let's say they're Finnish American, mm. and like they didn't speak English as well as uh, sorry they didn't speak Finnish as well as the other kids. So they would hang out with like the English. The Finnish as second language kids,、mm. um, so we would hang out as a little group. So I like those people, and then in high school, middle school, actually, in middle school and high school, I think I was just like completely out of it. I think that's when I was grinding chess the most. Wow. Yeah, like I was just going away. I I, I missed a whole semester. Like we are split in two semesters or like two year two halves, and I missed a whole half year from one of my high school years just to go play. Yeah, just to go play. In eight years at Canada, you went over to hang out with one friend. <laughs> yeah, basically at their birthday party. Yeah, once. Once. <laughs> When you like, how did that happen? Like, how did you get the leave to do it that one time? And yeah, I think it was because she was very close in my neighborhood. It was like a five minute walk, and it was a sleepover birthday party. And my parents wouldn't let me sleep over, so、yeah. I stayed until like. I actually remember that was the first time I ever played checkers. Was at that birthday party. I never played checkers before then. Why was it like you need to be all focused on chess? Well, yeah, honestly, I think checkers just never really came up. I played a lot of like Chinese checkers. Yeah, it was just very specifically checkers. I never played. I played、yeah. like Scrabble, like you know,、uh, Othello, Othello, Othello. Oh yeah, Othello. Yeah, played a lot of Othello growing up too. I played Chinese chess, shogi. Um, I've even learned like Korean chess, Thai chess. There's、wow. like all these. So just never、brands. regular chess. It's regular checkers. Never regular checkers for some reason. Like th- that was the only game I like and never played before. And so she's like five minutes away. She's a close friend. Your parents、yeah. are like, you can't sleep over. Yeah. You walk over. Like, what was that experience like to see how someone else's family and environment is like? Like, I think at that time I was already pretty bitter towards my parents,、um, but. In Asian culture, you're not really supposed to show that. You're always supposed to be thankful. You're、right. always supposed to be grateful for them, and I don't like necessarily disagree with that sentiment. I think it's just at the same time you can also disagree with some of their parenting techniques or totally like you know also, you're allowed、yeah. to feel not happy about things. For sure, we know now、yes. in our internalized non-Asian way of thinking. <laughs> I did get to interact with like more of my classmates and their families in high school because my dad was、um, in Finland for like a few years during that time. So it was just me and my mom, and then my mom had work like the whole day. So if I like needed a ride from something, gotta get it from someone else. Yeah, gotta get it from a friend. And a lot of my friends had like very nice parents. Yeah, like, just very, very, very nice, and it just felt very. Different from the way that my parents would talk to me. Yeah, I grew up with parents really expecting me to、mm-hmm. focus on one thing above all, and I think the resentment grew very gradually because when you're young, you don't know that there's any other way to live. Yeah, like you just assume. 
this is what everyone's life is like. This is just what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to just grind chess for eight hours yeah. a day and then become world champion and then win woman grandmaster and then go into Harvard and then go walk work and that's, on Wall Street. That's life. Yeah. I love how like your parents had this like multi-stage. It's like, <laughs> yes. oh cool, like you're chess grandmaster, cool. Now get into Harvard. Oh, yeah. you've graduated, now go on to Wall Street. It was it was very much planned out. It was very much planned out. And it wasn't all like I it wasn't all of them. Like, obviously, I had the option of either becoming a doctor, a lawyer. Oh, yeah. Or so engineer. much flexibility. <laughs> yeah. I, I picked the, like, investment banking route myself. I, they were also okay with me becoming an I ambassador. Mean, so did I. I mean, I was like, I can't do science. Yeah. I can't do medicine. I For a brief period, I considered law. And then I realized it's less, like, in the courtroom okay. and more just, like, reading over pages of documents. So I, too, chose investment banking. You chose investment banking. So we had yeah. choice. <laughs> yes. in, like, the very limited set. And I think the resentment for me really grew when I realized, like, like other kids don't go through this. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's very much like, uh, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, well, I'm just going to be doing the same thing I've done the last six years, which is do my homework and then study chess. Yeah. And like, you know, I remember I met this classmate and one day I was like, yeah, basically, what are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to like go watch TV and like play video games or whatever. Right? And I was like, wait, but we have like homework to do. Like, are you going to do your homework? And he's like, so? <laughs> so? <laughs> and up until that point, like, literally the first thing I do, I go and do my homework. Yeah. And I was yep, always. always on time. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was just a soup. And that just, like, broke my brain. I was just like... What do you mean? Yeah, you could just not do your homework. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll do it, like, last minute. Or, like, look, there's, like, an answer key you can find online. You can, like, find half the answers there. You can just, like, copy them in. And I was like, but you're not doing it right. Like... If you don't understand the fundamentals of geometry, like how are you going to know like physics and science and computer science yeah. and English? Like yeah. my dad really like drilled into me because he's a physicist. Mm -hmm. Like everything right. builds in everything. Like there's this concept of abstraction. Like we don't need to know how a camera works to use it. He's like, no, you need to understand everything from the ground up. And so if you miss one thing early on, your entire understanding of the world would just be totally bullshit. I think that comes from a very Eastern like eons old like mentality i think like i don't personally think that that's like wrong i think that's actually good mm. i think it's good to understand the world from ground up unfortunately it feels like with our current world there's not enough time to do that there, isn't. there is there is not no, enough time to do that so not. like yeah yeah I, I think it's like slightly out of like touch perhaps like this might have worked you know, if you yeah. were going to become like a philosopher back in the 16th or, century. I don't know, live in like a subsistence economy where everything you do is yourself or yeah. hard science one where you have to make everything yourself. Yeah. Like think of our jobs right now, Nemo. <laughs> I, I like, did not need my university degree yeah, for this. You like, go on video and talk to people and play things. Yeah. And like I work with folks like you, like mm -hmm. this is not like, oh, our forefathers like <laughs> developing like steel or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But like in a modern society, like the whole point is you're supposed to specialize. Mm -hmm. You find the thing you're best at. And I would argue, John Adams once said that he waged war so that his kids could study math and science so that their kids could study English and the arts. Yeah. There's also a piece not just around, hey, constructing the materials we need to live, but also inspiring the motivation to want to live in the first place. I actually really like this quote. I think... There's a lot of like people that think or say that if they could do anything they wanted, they would give up on their job and just do like creative stuff like yeah. arts. And I hear that 
However, I really liked the sciences growing up. Yeah. Like I did want to study uh, political science or international relations when I was in university and my parents said no. Did you study like, well, like economic statistics, like finance, computer science? How did you guess? Wow, gosh. You, I'm you, just a mind reader. Yeah, you're, you're missing one though. <gasps> math? Yeah. <laughs> I was doing a okay. double major in math and econ with a stats minor. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's like what my parents buy. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like the most cookie cutter. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like math. Like math, math. is valuable. Like yeah. talking, like who knows what value that is. But if you can do math. that That's basically what my dad would do all the time. And I, I'm not going to lie. Math worked out really well for my dad. Yeah. Kind of like yours. I think he was really good at math. And he just used that for every single like work thing he had was always like yeah i think the point as you're saying it's not like these things are wrong right, or bad yeah. but it's about having choice exactly i think it's about having choice i think like i definitely probably could not have like excelled in national relations either i didn't particularly excel in math but like you know it would have been at least nice to know yeah. that i could have done it if i wanted to i had a very similar experience. so my, my parents paid for school which i'm very yeah. grateful for but it gave him a degree of control where every mm. single class in my first two years he chose. Yeah. And I'm a very liberal arts type of guy. So I'd be like, oh, I'd really love to take like this history class. And he'd be like, I'll teach you history. <laughs> I think I love to read English. He's like, what is this? Like Jane Eyre? Like I'll read Jane Eyre. We'll talk about it. Like that's the same you could get from school. I was like, that, that, that feels wrong. <laughs> and I remember sitting down with like, they always assign to you like a counselor to yeah. protect against things like this. And I was telling her, She's like, why are you taking this class? I'm like, I have to. She's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you don't understand. He's paying for school. I have to. She's like, you could, you could not. And that concept was so like, oh. Oh, wow. I could just not? What do you and mean? And so like, what oh, happened yes. to me, like my breaking point. So yeah, because I took all the classes. Mm -hmm. Like, again, you heard me describe in high school. I was like, you could just not do your homework. Like what? I, I'd always like begin to find these little ways to rebel. Like I ended yeah. up doing homework like a little bit later than I was supposed to. And that was like right. a big deal for me. So in school, I just hit... My version, sophomore year, I just got like so depressed because I think it's all about choice. Mm -hmm. If you're just doing something and you feel like you have to, and that if you don't, you are shit, and you yep. have no worth as a human being and you just kill yourself and your parents don't care about you. Yep. And, well, what do I have to offer to this world other than this one thing? Because PS, well, all you like developed other things. This is my only thing. This yeah. is my one thing. So now if I choose to not even do that, I don't even have that. I don't yeah. even have the thing. I feel like I have to do it, but also I don't like doing anymore. Yeah, that's like a really bad place to be in. I think so. I think it's like uh, it also curates this feeling of like relief when you do well in the thing that you're good at. Yeah. Like for me, a lot of the tournaments that I won, I didn't really feel happiness. I just felt more like relief. relief. Like Thank God yes. I won this because otherwise oh, yeah. my mom would have been so mad at me and told me about how much she spent on this event. And like, I just don't want to hear that again. Like, thank God I won. I feel so understood right now. The day I got into Harvard. Yeah. Nima, I didn't feel happy. Yeah. I felt relief. Yep. It was like, cool. I don't have to go now. <laughs> Basically. Because I did it. It wasn't like, hooray. It was like, thank God. And I think that's such a, like, it's so hard to explain to people like, hey, I'm not ungrateful for getting into Harvard. Totally. Not at all. I'm in fact the most grateful I've ever oh, yeah, been. It changed my life. Right. Like, totally. like, exactly. Like winning world youth changed my life. But at that current moment, it was more like, well, 
thank God like, I finally I did have? this. Yeah. No, I love that. It's like, obviously <laughs> yeah. I'm proud. Yeah. And like, this goes back to what we said in the very beginning. Like there's a test board in front of you right <laughs> exactly. now. Like it is part of your identity. Yep. You yep. are good at it. It yep. is a thing. But it's also like I had to. Yeah. And I think that creates like a very interesting dynamic now where I don't have to. Yeah. And it's like, so I am voluntarily doing this, obviously. I'm not like, if I didn't want to, I hope I have the strength to walk away from it. Yeah. Because it's something that's not good for my mental at that point. And I would only do it and I only work on projects and I only play tournaments that I want to. Yeah. To keep that sort of like, you know, I don't want to slip back into that mindset where but, like it's only the, I feel like for me, the old habits are still there. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard to um, get past that. I like did so much therapy and there's still so much that I need to work on personally. But I would say at this current time, it's probably the best place wow. I've ever been with chess because I have the choice. Like I have the choice to I'm able to afford, thankfully, to play any tournament I want to. Mm. Well, given that I can qualify for it, but that's a different story. Sure. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but if I wanted to, I can. And if I wanted to work with a really good chess coach, I now cool. am able to. I was never really able to as a kid. I worked with amazing coaches for sure. My parents always tried to put like yeah. as much as they could, but obviously finances are limited. Chess isn't very cheap, surprisingly. You have yeah. to travel all these places. Um, but now like, yeah, the option is there. I'm just choosing to not use it at this current moment. And that feels so good. <laughs> when for you, did you start making your own choices? Like what was from, you know, you're 10 years old. You're like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this to eventually deciding to stop. I, so, so for a little context to this, actually, I won Canadian national like women's championships into 2016 so I was 16 and this all kind of ties in because I was like finishing high school like I'm in my those 10 11 12 so I guess I won Canadian women's at in 10th grade and um I lost it the next year so I played world cup big tournament it's like the tournament that it's ch ch okay. Chess is complicated. If you win, if you win World Cup, you get into the candidates. If you win candidates, you become world champion, and then you challenge like the world champion and all this stuff, and then you can become women's world champion. So basically, that's like the whole process. Winning wor women's World Cup in and of itself is kind of like winning a world championship, like the um, no age group, just winning. So huge deal for me. I got to play that my very first World Cup in t 2017. Wow. Uh, and. It was in that tournament I realized, like, I suck. Because I won, like, every world. Like, I won, like, world youth. I, like, won Canadian national championships. I was, like, playing board one for Canada, then Olympiad. And it's not like I didn't know how good these ladies were. It's yeah. not like I had, like, some idea in my head, like, oh, I'm going to just play this knockout tournament and just go all the way to the top. But I think it was in that tournament where I was, like, now I've become an adult. I'm going to be 18 in a year. I'm going to have to go to school, like university, because in Canada, they don't really like give support for chess players, unheard of. Um, I'm going to have to like go to the next step. I'm going to have to keep putting in eight hours a day, every single day of my life until I become world champion or I'm not going to be happy. And I think that was the moment where I realized like, well, 
this is hard, you know? This is like really hard. And I have so much respect for all the ladies out there that like play chess and go through this process because I could not do it after 2017. So what ended up happening was I lost Canadian national championships that year. I came second. And that meant that I wasn't qualified for the next cycle. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I am going to go find something else to do with my life. Because <laughs> I don't think I have it in me at this current time. And that was the first time in 14 years that I took a break from chess. I had like never taken a break from chess for more than like two days or something. Like I'd have always done it. Like if it wasn't playing, it was puzzles. It was like, yeah. you know, conversing on Training. it. Training. Yeah. Thinking. And on the car ride back, my parents were like, yeah, you know what? I think we get it. I think, I think you, you can stop now and we'll just hope that you can get into a good school. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love how there was yeah. like, for a moment, it was like very empathetic. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, they're so understanding. Like, good job, Nemo's parents. And they're like, well, you better still f get into like Harvard or some sh Like, I don't know. But anyways, I spent the rest of um, like the, the year playing League of Legends. Nice. I, yeah, I started League. I, I'd always wanted to start League and I was never allowed to play a video game and I never really like had time Yeah. either. And then the moment I quit, I was like playing. I was playing League of Legends New Year's of 2017. Like I remember I downloaded the game like maybe a week before or something and I was like just grinding League that whole. I love you like replaced yeah it just got instantly replaced and i got so competitive in league too it was oh i, I don't want to get started on league solo queue it's fine <laughs> so you basically were like i'm free now let me find another hobby to pour my obsessively <laughs> developed focus into yeah i think it's um i definitely would say league was like really mentally good for me it's hard to explain like obviously i started way too late to ever become a competitive player but i had dreams of going into University of Toronto's league team because they had yeah. Biofrost. Um, I think he's like, at that time, I think he was still at University of mm -hmm. Toronto. So I was like looking up to him and like, oh my God, it'd be really cool if I could get into the U of T league team. Um, obviously that didn't happen, but league was great. I met a lot of friends from it and it helped me a lot with streaming. So yeah, it all worked out in the end. I feel like you're the only person who's like, yeah, League was good for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, League was good for my Everyone's mental health. Everyone was like, toxic, bad. And you're like, well, you know, compared to like 14 plus years of chess. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> was a breath of fresh air. I, okay, so I liked having teammates. Yeah. Because then not all the blame was on you. One of the biggest <sighs> issues with chess is that the blame is always on you. If you are losing a game of chess, I mean, sure, you can blame the unluckiness. Like, you might have misclicked. Maybe the clock ran faster than you thought. Like, right. unlucky. Like, I might have blundered this piece. Oh, how did he see that? Like, unlucky. But there's no real luck. It's just you and them. It's just, it's just you and them. And I think when you are in that state for so long, you're just in your head so much. So playing League was really good because of that. Like, I could blame my teammates. I could blame you know, the blast cone, I could blame the turret, like stupid turret. How did I aggro that? I could blame minions. I could blame the dragon. Like the I love your like, teammates are great because when things don't go well, <laughs> you can blame them. <laughs> exactly. But I also got carried a ton by my teammates and you can never get carried in chess. It's just you. I get that so much. The concept 
I struggle with most today is mm -hmm. accepting feedback and responsibility. Yeah. Like there's two things that my close friends, the people I've dated, my co-founder know I really don't do well on. Is feedback? <laughs> yes, that's okay. one of them. Because for me growing up, similarly, I saw it all as on me, all within my control. So if I didn't do well, well, like I just suck. Yeah, exactly. And it's been so much work to like break out the concept like, okay, I did something wrong and I made a mistake, but, but I okay. don't suck. Yeah. Like even with my co-founder, one of the biggest learnings I'm still working on. So I care it on the business side. We make mistakes all the time. Yeah. When I would make mistakes, my co-founder would be very understanding because obviously we went in with the best intentions and we tried the best we could and the mistake still happens. He's like, oh, it's cool. But I would... If he made a mistake, part of me would blame him. And if I made a mistake, I would blame me. And then it became this really tricky situation where say there's something I want to do and he yeah. didn't actually necessarily agree with it, but he's like, you know what? Go for it. Sure. Like my mind would just break because then I'd be like, okay, I want to do this thing. You're not on board. So if it <laughs> fails, it's all my fault. Oh, yeah. But you're also down just to like have me try it. So now if I try it, it is entirely on me. Yeah. That is terrifying. Man, there are so many like mental like loops that I, I, I hear yeah. you talk about and I've like been there, done that. And I have to agree, feedback, I think it's still one of the very, very hardest yeah. things for me to work on as well. I think like being able to take criticism and not have it be attached to your self-worth yes. is huge. I think like growing up, probably for both of us, our parents would be like, oh, if you don't get all straight A's, you're never going to go to Harvard and you'll never yeah. go to work on Wall Street and you'll never be like, oh, it's, you know, and, it's like and then it's like you suck. Yeah, exactly. It's like a very indirect way of telling you you suck. If you, you have no worth as a human yeah, being. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a very, very toxic mentality yeah. to like get stuck in. Um, and that's also something that I've like had to work really hard with people that I'm friends yeah. with, like my relationships and being like, hey, if I'm getting told this, I'm sure there's a reason. Like most of the time people aren't like people close to you. Sure. People on the internet will say whatever the f they yeah, want. Who cares about the hate? Yeah. Comments. Yeah. We all that, that, that's a different story. But like people close to you will tell you like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. You should probably not do it. And like you can reflect on that and you can also choose to decide like, hey. I don't care about it. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think I have a good idea and I'm going to try it out anyways. But then if it doesn't work, okay, just, you know, got to move on. I think <laughs> it's weird. It's like asserting that choice becomes so important. And yeah. like, I would get resentful of people. Like I do this weird thing where I go to people and be like, okay, like I want to do this. What do you think? And they say, no, I get mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, no, it's all on me. Yeah. And I have to make this choice and be conscious right. of it. The second thing that I've really worked a lot on is people telling me what to do. Like that's a huge trigger yeah. point for me, even when they mean it like in a not toxic way. Like right. I'll have a girlfriend and sh she'll be like, hey, like my, even my current girlfriend, she'll be like, hey, like, you know, I noticed like um, you do this thing. Like, do you want to do it differently? It'll improve your yeah. health. And she'd be like very kind, very gentle about right. it. And I'll be like, immediately. You're suggesting? Yeah, like my hackles. And I'm like, no, like I want, even if it's wrong, I'm doing it because it's the way I want to do it. I just immediately, it's so uh, important to me. I'm like, no, I need to feel like I have the choice. Yeah. I have to say, like, I think with, when it comes to those type of things, it was really hard for me for a really long time mm. to just be like, hey, you know what? They probably just want the best for me. Yes. Especially if it's someone that is close to me and being like, I'm an adult now. I can make the executive decision 
on whether I want to listen to that or not. And you don't have to listen to everything. So you have this huge realization. Oh my gosh, I don't have to listen. I can start to make my own choices. Your first choice is I'm going to stop playing chess and grind and get sweaty in League of Legends. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was, um, in hindsight, I realized how crazy I sound when I tell people like, you know, I, I always wonder like how much of it was really just I'm freaking competitive as like all hell. Like I, I am super competitive, yeah. but I got a diamond within like a year wow. of, play, of like starting. Never played a video game before, was never allowed to. Um, my my parents like, oh my God, this is so funny because my parents, anytime I talk with them, they always ask me two questions. When are you going back to school? Can you stop playing League? Like, can you stop playing video games? <laughs> And I'm just like, they, they've never once had a problem with me playing poker, which like I would imagine with an Asian family, like right. Asian, like you, it would be like gambling would be a more of like but a conversation. No, but it's specifically video games. They just wow. don't enjoy the fact that I play video games. And like, obviously now it's been like, you know, forever, years. like years since I've lived with them. So I, I always just like, you don't really have a right, like whatever. Um, but like League is not that bad, I think, for for like your mind. I think it teaches a lot of like strategy. It teaches yeah. teamwork, unfortunately, <laughs> like yeah. both the good and the bad sides of it. But I actually think the game itself can be like pretty healthy if you approach it with a healthy mindset. And I didn't necessarily do that, but it was an amazing distraction from the fact that I was no longer competing in these chess tournaments and trying to like, yeah. Like chess, like chess tournaments are always a cycle. Like you play this tournament to play this tournament and then you play these tournaments to, to like help you with these tournaments. And it's like not having that was like, that, that was like 80% of my life, like outside of school. That was my whole life. So having something competitive to fill that time was like really good. Yeah, it was really important stuff yeah. in Nemo figuring out who she is, yeah. building an identity outside of just chess. Yeah. You said that your parents... It's always this new question. Stop playing video games. Go back to college. Yeah. How how do you like? So, my parents. I just don't talk with them much anymore mm-hmm. because I've realized every time we do, I'm just gonna end up arguing with them. Yep. And weirdly, the relationships improve because I'm just like I'm not gonna run life choices by you anymore. Like, yeah. How do you engage and respond with your parents now after having gone through this whole journey of making your own choices? Well, I think right now it's actually really wholesome. I yeah. send them pictures of like me being on vacation Aww. or like me being in LA. They send me pictures of them doing whatever. They're currently in China for 30 days. Yeah. So that's really cool. They always ask me like, hey, do you want to come with us to Vancouver? Do you want to come yeah. with us to China? And I think it's gotten a lot more wholesome. But um, whenever I am back in Toronto, like for a little bit, just staying at their house for a few days, I just like lose my mind. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> like, I can't do it. Every time I'm like, oh yeah, this will be a really fun stopover. And like two days later, I'm like, when's the earliest flight out? I'm I'm the same. <laughs> I uh, recently, I saw my mom for the first time in four years. Oh wow. In the past couple of months. And people are like, well, like that is so bonkers. And it's because yeah, every time you're back there, yeah, I just feel it all again. I, I, I really do. And I think my parents have worked so much yeah, totally. on it. Like, like my, my mom, they're like, very different. Yeah, they're very different from when I was like a kid and they were like trying to get me to do things. They, they really try to not get me like they don't have that basically at all. My dad has like actually basically never really cared ever since I was a teenager. But my mom has like yeah. loosened up a lot. But she still they both still very much want me to go back to school 
And I think for them, it's just because like school was the guaranteed yes. step to having it's a like, livelihood. At least go graduate. Yeah, like yeah. you could always, especially like, you know, unfortunately not all degrees are made the same. Right. Sorry, history majors. No, I'm joking. Strays, they're just catching strays <laughs> yeah, right history now. majors just cast, catching strays. No, but like my point is I can probably always get a job with my degree. Right. I, I don't know for certain given the current economy, but it's pretty likely. And they're like, if you at least have that, whenever you decide to stop doing this, or if this doesn't work out, you can go get a normal job. And like, I hear them on that. I've, I've wanted at times to go back to school. Um, it's like, you know, Canada's very lenient. It's not very hard, but it is so much time investment when you are younger, when you don't have the opportunity potentially to be a chess content creator for like, yeah. Like, when are you going to get to do this again? Yeah, like, when am I going to get to do this again? Is chess going to be relevant in two years? Like, it probably is, thankfully, because, you know, um, it's become a really global game. But it always feels like carpe diem. Like, you have yeah. to see something, timing. right? Like, it's just about timing. And it's really hard. I think it's really difficult. I, I definitely, if, if, like, my life was in a vacuum and I could just put pause on this, I would do school in a heartbeat. Like, mm. I would finish. I have one year left. I would just do it. But... It's so hard knowing that one year of not doing content is basically mm. just going to have mean that I have to like start over. Yeah, um, imagine a year of not posting videos or yeah, streaming. Like you're just not relevant anymore. It's so, yeah. it's so it's terrifying. competitive. Yeah. And I don't know if I really like, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't say terrifying. I've never really mm. loved being the public eye. But it I goes think back to the very first thing: Are you an influencer or a creator? Yeah. yeah. You just tweet about random things. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Funnily enough, I did. I had never been on YouTube like before. I started creating YouTube videos, wow. and like, well, you never used it. You never watched videos. I never watched videos. I used TikTok when it came out mm -hmm. because, and I actually had like I don't know, nothing major, but like I had like maybe twenty thousand followers on TikTok before I actually started the whole chess thing. Oh wow. It was, yeah. but it was super different back in 2019. Like, mm -hmm. like it was just like silly dances yeah, and stuff. Like I had a boyfriend at that time. It would just be like yeah. videos with my boyfriend. It was during the pandemic. We were like the six, of, there were six people left on my 400 people campus. Like I had a wow. little college and it was gorgeous. It looks like straight out of Harry Potter. So anyways, I would just do content oh, around like that. Slice of life. Like <laughs> yeah, me it was like in slice school of life. with yeah. friends and boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I originally like started out and I like, I love that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, streaming just kind of happened. So with that, I had to like learn what Twitch is. Yeah. I had to learn like what YouTube is. I had to learn like, um, well, Instagram I was already doing. So Instagram isn't that much different, but um, how to like create video content and like learn about all these things. What was that decision process like? Because, okay, you made one decision, which mm -hmm. is League of Legends and quit chess. Yeah. You made another decision, which is now quit school after three years. <laughs> What went into that? What was it like? Well, it started out very, very slow. It started out during the pandemic. Everybody around me was taking like a oh, gap yeah. semester. Zoom University, basically. Yeah, it was Zoom yeah. University. Honestly, I wish I just finished school during... <laughs> you're like, I love you like went through this entire thing and you're like, no, I wish I like, just done but it. But like, I, I, I could have. I mean, I don't know if I actually could have. Like everybody was losing their minds during... Yeah, during, totally. Yeah. I, like, um, they kicked us off campus because yeah. of COVID and my parents had to move back from... so. 
they were in living in Germany. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how. Your parents I still, was like everywhere. Yeah, I had like no, I like, I, I visited them like winter of 20, I visited them like twice. I visited them, I think winter of 2018 yeah. and also summer of 2019. And they were just living in Germany. They were living in Frankfurt and I would just like spend cool. my, yeah, I, I was like, cool. Okay. I like Europe. This is fine. Um, but anyways, I had to move back. So I moved in with them for like two months, lost my mind, made enough from streaming and was like, hey, my best friend's name was Mick. He's still alive. He's just probably no longer my best friend because I haven't talked to him that much, unfortunately. I was like, I'm why sorry, did Mick. you say he's still alive? Like, Nima, what happened? <laughs> no, no, no. He's doing great. He's doing great. But my best friend at that time was Mick. And we got an apartment downtown Toronto together. Um, and that was like the best decision. It was really small, but my friends could come over. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we actually ended up getting another place closer to campus when campus started opening up again. Um, and then I think that's actually around the time that I decided, like I had already taken half a year off. He had also taken half a year off. I was about to take another half year off because I was doing like the online thing and then they were going back into person. And I was yeah. like, all right, time for a full gap year and let's see how this all works out. So um, I made plans to like move to LA, move to LA and now I'm still here. When I met you at the Streamer Awards, I think you were still based in Canada, right? Yeah, I was still based in Canada that time. Wow. Yeah, I, I caught like, you earlier. In yeah, you did. Moves. You did. And now that you're a full-time streamer, mm -hmm. the same competitive mentality you described in chess, which in League became a little bit more teammate-focused, how does that work in the streaming world? Because I imagine, like, it is competitive. It's so competitive. It's so tough, honestly. I used to stream like 180 hours a month. And only recently have I started taking a day off a week. Like having a- One day. One day off a week from streaming. Um, but okay, to be fair, I also don't stream that many hours. Like I stream like, like five, like I want to say five meaningful hours because the last hour I'm probably just- out on league and i literally like don't even read my you don't chat even care. Like, like, i'm just playing league like yeah, you guys like, can I'm watch just getting whatever the, yeah i'm just getting this last hour in yeah. so like you know um but before then it was like 180 meaningful hours wow. like i would always try to make content nowadays like i i do want to be completely transparent and say like yeah sure i still stream like most of the time but i it's like five hours a day or something what, and, like, what changed what helped you dial it back honestly burnout Yep. Like I just, <laughs> but you know yourself now you're like, it's coming again. I do. I'm thinking about, well, I've started implementing like maybe two days off a week. And that's nice. like, you know, <laughs> is this a day off for you? Does this count? This is no, I'm going to go cameras and stuff here. Um, but no, I honestly really enjoyed streaming when I first started. Yeah. So it, it was like chill. I didn't think I was going to do it for a long time. I didn't think the pandemic was going to last two years. So I was like, I'm going to do this until the end of the pandemic. And then I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to go work on Wall Street. And then the pandemic. Oh, lasted. you were still on that. Even despite moving off chess, you were still on the Wall Street. Yeah, life path. yeah. I actually like I actually don't don't mind investment banking. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't mind investment banking you. at all. I actually genuinely like that. So wow. like, like that's why I was saying like my mom might have like put me into math. But I like I like halfway through my degree. I was like, you know what? I actually don't mind this that I can much. I picture like you sucked, as but. Wall Street investment banker, Nemo. <laughs> I wanted to specifically do quant analysis because of like uh, U of T has a really nice AI yeah. like department. And yeah, that's what I basically want to do is like dive into that. But 
Yeah, I I would believe that the what is it wor- world like the f- f- woman grandmaster probably is going to be really good at math in a different type of game as well. A lot of chess players end up in like they finance. move over to quant. Yeah, finance especially like uh, currently I have this. Well, currently my friend and I are running the collegiate chess league. I'm hosting the collegiate chess league. Yeah, and um, it's sponsored by SIG. Susquehanna. Uh, yeah. So, Susquehanna, yeah. yeah, they are very big in like they, they're always trying to employ chess players. They also were sponsors at the collegiate series of poker, right. which I played randomly last year. I don't even know how I like some of these things happen, but I just end up at them. And it's really cool to see so many like all I'm saying is you have a future even if you like to play games for like 10 hours a day. Like I'm just saying, totally. like, like like companies like the fact that you're a gamer. Yeah, like it doesn't smart. have to be chess. It doesn't have to be you poker. You good risk tolerance. Yeah, exactly. And you can also deal with being yelled at by your teammates. <laughs> You've part. chosen from chess to League of Legends to finance to streaming very heavily male yeah, dominated fields. It's true. So let's take chess as an example. How do you think of yourself as a female grandmaster versus a regular grandmaster? Are there things that you have to do differently? Is there additional expectation? For the women grandmaster title, which is the one that I do have, it is actually, there's actually a lower rating requirement for it. And it is a completely separate title from the grandmaster title, which is what like Magnus Carlsen has, which is what... I don't know if you follow the most recent world championships, but Ding Liren, for example, has. Um, so the women grandmaster title is actually just completely different. It's FIDE rating of around 2300, 2350. You have to hit that once. You have to get the three norms for it. And then, yeah, you're a woman grandmaster for life unless you do something stupid. That you, like nobody's going to take it away from you. So, you know. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah, know. don't do anything Wait. stupid. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but... It's different title and I think it's really good because it encourages women to play chess knowing that there are these titles given the fact that there's it is such a male dominated mm. as you mentioned like dom- male dominated field so it's always been harder for women to get into the game to play these tournaments they're facing like you know crazy adversity a lot of the way so yeah I think that's like for me personally I've never really cared about like what my title is. I also have this title called the FIDE master title, mm-hmm. just like the pure FIDE master title. And it's open to any gender. Mm-hmm. So f- women can always get whatever title they want. Men, unfortunately, can only get the open gender titles. Sure. Um, I've honestly never particularly cared until recently. And I think it's because more and more people get into chess and don't understand that there are specific women-only titles and open titles. Mm. And people are always like, oh, well, you know, so that means you're a grandmaster, right? And I'm like, I wish I could say I'm a grandmaster, but if I said I'm a grandmaster, that feels like disrespect on the people that I've spent, you know, that, that at 17, they went through the same process I did. And we're like, mm. you know what? I'm not going to quit today. And I'm going to work another 10 years and become a grandmaster. So I just feel like ever saying that makes it feel a little like, 
you know, I want to give respect to the people that did work for the grandmaster title. My women grandmaster title is different. I'm very happy with it. I have no intentions of going yeah, for it's grandmaster. incredibly meaningful. Right. And yeah. you want to be clear yes. on what it is. Yeah, I think every title is very meaningful for the yeah. person that won it because chess is a freaking struggle. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, it's it's a uh, it's a tough game to get a <laughs> title. Like, oh, childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like getting any title takes years of work. Actually, have you met? <laughs> grandmasters who you meet them you're like wow you're so emotionally well adjusted no <laughs> i don't think i've ever met a grant yeah i don't think i've ever met a grandmaster where i'm like you seem like you're doing just fine no that's not true okay i have a friend fabiano carana he's like quite like he's a very well-spoken he has his own podcast in the chess world and he's very um He's also like kind of soft-spoken too. He, nice. he never gets like very aggressive. Yeah. Like he's very, very nice. Okay, I love very it. Nice. You thought yeah. of one person <laughs> who you're like, oh, they play chess and they're good at it and they like seem emotionally well put together. <laughs> okay, there, there's a few. There's also like Maxime Bashir Lagravi is a French GM. He, he has a um, math degree from, I, I can't remember, like a school in Lausanne or something in Switzerland. I, I can't remember, but he seems very well adjusted too. What about when you compare chess players, League of Legends players, oh, streamers, poker players, <laughs> bankers? Oh, no. Again, every single field of yeah. your interest. Which group would you say on the whole is the most sane versus the most insane? Okay, most insane. Let's start with most sane. I think... League players are actually fairly sane, just unhinged as shit and too and very young. Like I think the mo the majority of the league player base is just very young and they don't know better about some of the things that they're mm -hmm. saying. And I think like in a few years, hopefully they'll, they'll look mature. Back. Yeah, they'll mature exactly. Okay, be so like, League legends are the most sane <laughs> and the least toxic. Yeah, and then bankers. I don't okay. think I think bankers are pretty okay. And then I think like, you know chess players are actually pretty okay most of the time all right i think like there's very few famous cases of like really crazy unhinged like right stuff coming out from chess players but for the most part you know the community is just regularly toxic and doesn't love you know their the females that much but it's improving it's getting better i love you say that really casually you're like yeah as a female they don't really like me yeah, but they're getting a lot better. Good. They're getting a lot better. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's like the very vocal minority. Mm, most yeah. people are. Yeah, good I think about most it. people don't give it. Like, I don't, I would hope yeah, they most people like, don't give a shit. You play chess. Yeah. yeah, like, I hope most people don't care if, like, what your gender is if you're playing chess. Yeah. It's not like it matters. There's a very, like, vocal minority that yeah. are, you know, annoying. And unfortunately, with female players, they face a lot of adversity. Like, um, we didn't have. Yeah, like female players just there was there was a very famous case of a woman who became who is a grandmaster, Susan Polger, and she was not allowed to play in this prestigious tournament because she was a woman, despite having the qualifications to do so. So a lot of like female players even recently have had to like pave way wow. for me and for all of the other female players to really be able to come onto the scene. Have you experienced that similar sort of negative sentiment in any of these fields you've described? And so how do you handle it? Yeah, I would say my, like, I never faced any questions about gender in mm. school for, like, so for me, I don't personally, so I've never worked, actually, like, I've never interned 
in finance. Mm -hmm. um, but in school, I don't think anyone cared. I think they cared much more if you were Chinese and weren't able to like talk to them because my school is very much like a lot oh. of Chinese at school. Like I literally, one of my um, TAs would get asked like, hey, can you teach this like Classic. dual language. No, can you just yeah. do this in Mandarin? Not oh, even dual. Forget, forget English. Forget English. We just want this in Mandarin. Um, he was like, unfortunately, I can't given like, you know, yeah. this is an international school. So I think at school, it was much more like what culture you were part of rather than like what your gender was. Right. And like a lot of the Chinese people would stick together. A lot of like the Indian, Pakistani groups would stick together and stuff like that. But I would I would definitely say with League of Legends, chess, poker, there's a lot of like, you know, it's hard to navigate that very uh, carefully because I think as a woman, I'm always trying to be as feminist as I can be rather than like, hey, you know, I, I just want to be able to make the space comfortable for myself mm -hmm. and every other woman. Yeah. Right. I think that's just so important because it'd be so much more fun if you just had more like females and it wasn't like this. Yeah. It, it, it's it's so tough when there's only a few because then not only do the men compare all the females to each other, mm -hmm. you also compare yourself to each other because there's only like a few of you. And I just don't think there's any reason for that. And that's actually more so like in the past. Now it's definitely getting better and with more women being not necessarily like getting into it, but being acknowledged, like more people are showing interest to women's chess, more people are showing interest to women's poker. And I think that's really important for the space because then you realize, okay, not only do we have these like right. five people, there's also this amazing lady. There's that amazing girl. Mm. I mean, she, like one of my old opponents just got her last grandmaster norm. Wow. And like, I played her nine years ago. I'm still a WGM. The last time I played her, she was an international master. So that's about like 50 to 100 points higher rated than me. And now she's becoming a grandmaster. Mm. And this is like all happening on the same timeline that I'm living. And it's just so cool to wow. see. And I'm always going to like, you know, support people like yeah. that. Like I want people to do well. So like they're getting the credit for sure. But also I get some credit from that. Like, mm. hey, I'm not just going to be seen as like this girl who is, you know, able to stream and talk. Like I can actually play this game. And I think it's just so important, whether it comes to chess or poker, that like um, the more female representation you have, it's not just like, oh, you're a pretty face. That's why you're here. And instead yeah. people actually give you credit for being able to play the game. And instead of trying to push you down or say like, oh, hey, you're like, I don't know, cheating accusations or like you are only here because you like, I don't know, one of the most famous ones is like you the guy or something like that. Like you're wow. only here because you did X thing to get here. And instead just being like, okay, well you got here because you're good. And it's mm. like, you know, the more people that we have that accomplish that, the more amazing and hopefully welcoming the space. And the becomes. more understanding people are in judging like, oh, it's yeah. off the merits of your own work and accomplishments. Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me too, like as a streamer, yeah, you're entertaining mm -hmm. and you're also educating and you come in with so much credibility. Right. Because you get to say, oh, like, fuck you. Like, I'm <laughs> actually really, really good at this game. Yeah. Because I can imagine absolutely people often assume, oh, 
she's a streamer. Mm-hmm. Is she actually good? <laughs> and you get to be like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I think that's very, it's like very rewarding when um, like I win tournaments these days yeah. or if I, um, sorry, that was actually a poker comment, not, not a chess comment. Like my mind- yeah, Just my, to be competitively yeah, good. Yeah, like to be competitive, exactly. Show that you can win. Yeah, exactly. Like being able to show that I can win um, always gives me like the sense that, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna let these comments bring me down. Right. I'm always able, I'm like able to do this. Uh, and I think that's just so important for myself and also for like people to notice like female accomplishments, mm. even if it's nece- even if it's not necessarily in like the open space for chess or like mm-hmm. the open space, I think it's just so important to showcase those kind of accomplishments because like, you know, at the end of the day, these are very, very male dominated fields. So, so how do you now feel about winning? Because you've spoken right now about it helps validate the credibility behind what you and others are doing. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned earlier that there was a time in your life where it was everything. So how do you find that balance between, I care about winning and it's important and it is something, it is not all the things. I think with that, it's very important to have fun. Ah. Not necessarily every single moment. I think that's impossible. But I think it's really important to at least at some degrees, enjoy what you're doing. So I don't personally enjoy studying poker. And yesterday I actually skipped my lesson because I was like, uh, this was my off day. I don't want to yeah, do I'm not this. Feeling this. Yeah, I'm not feeling this right now. It's also really important to give yourself the time and space if you don't feel like it. I would probably encourage you to not do it because mm-hmm. like it just comes all back at some point and you're like, I don't want to do this. When instead of you could have just been sustainable, had a much longer career, had a much longer. Anyways, I, I think it's like, I've just become so much more aware of how I function competitively Mm. and I've gotten a lot better. That being said, losing still is the worst, but I think at least winning feels better than losing. And I think that's been an important change because before Mm. I'm going to say that and then I'm going to play a classical tournament next year or something like classical chess tournament and I'm going to be like losing sucks and I don't care if I win at all I just hate losing because I think I think I can say that because I haven't played that much chess recently but like I think if I ever got back to it the feeling of losing in chess for me has always been a hundred times worse than the feeling of winning in chess when you do lose how do you get over that emotional (laughs) punch to the gut okay so for blitz tournaments and stuff I I like just genuinely like I think it's just also so important for me to differentiate between Blitz. So let's say classical. Yeah, like classical. Like the, the tournaments that are like are going putting you towards world champion. Let's say that. Um, yeah, I just don't deal with them. Like I, I just don't. It's just I think last no, time you. last time I like literally like shoved the board, last time I played the World Cup and lost. Um in Vegas, at least okay, in Vegas I actually had a really bad stress breakdown. Um, and then I had to drop out of the national team for the Olympia that year. So that was like a little different. But yeah, no, long story short, I don't. I don't deal with losing. Well, yeah, you know, that's uh, why we both go do therapy. <laughs> exactly. That's why you do therapy. Or you pick a different competitive game to play. Yes. When you say push the board, do you mean you're just like... Well, no, I literally like like just... <laughs> just like, oh. Yeah. It's like um, when you're it's a gone. tennis player and you lose and you like smash yeah, yeah, the racket. Yeah, yeah, smash the racket. Yeah. I totally get that. Even in pickleball, one of my battles I broke. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) Which like, it's fun because I always tell people it's just for fun. Oh, I have uh, two doors 
This yeah. is actually on a tweet of mine, so you can pull up the picture. But I have two doors in my apartment that have whole like punches yep. in them. One of them was because I lost in poker. I didn't actually lose a lot of money. It was just very frustrating. Yes. And the other one's from League of Legends. So you have two holes, one from losing in poker, one from losing in League of Legends. Yeah. Well, there are a few holes, but like the two doors, yeah. Okay. Multiple holes across yeah. two doors. Long story very short, I did not deal with anger or losing very well still. <laughs> actually feels really relieving to hear that. I'm similar. Yeah. I have 100% punched walls. And I've definitely done a lot of yelling into pillows. Yep. I don't yeah. actually think it's necessarily bad to be competitive to the point of like, you know, I, I don't want to say hurt yourself, but like, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. bad to be competitive to the point where you're like showing your emotions after a loss. I think all of the most competitive yeah, people top athletes, that, yeah, have winners. this drive, right? Like you just have this drive. Now, of course, it doesn't make sense if like, you know, it's it's like a random game of league. Like, you just don't need to be doing that all the time. Like, you just yeah. can't be doing that all the time. You don't have that much emotional capacity to do it all the time. But I do want to say, every now and then, it can feel very therapeutic. Yes. Cathartic. It's not the worst. People ask me why I have such a rigorous schedule around, like, what I eat and work mm -hmm. out. And it's basically to take the rage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one thing I can control if I'm really upset, I try and go and like, oh, let me go lift something heavy so I don't go and punch the door. Yep. Yep. There are days I just feel it. You know, when you are as competitive as a lot of the people in the space, yeah. like, you know, you, you didn't, you probably didn't just become a streamer because you randomly lucked into it. You were probably really good at a game. You were probably really, really entertaining. You probably like, yeah, a lot of it can be right place, right time, but a lot of it is also just hard work, dedication, grind. I don't know if streamers like to see themselves at the top of the number charts or viewership charts, but I see that they always share it if they are. And it's like, I don't know if that's something that people keep track about. I definitely never really did because the space is like the chess space is fairly small. So it's like, <laughs> you know, people that watch the others probably watch you too. And it, there's not that much like, at least right now, there's not that much like brand new viewership coming in all the time. But I would say like having videos do well, having these numbers yeah. in your life, they sort of feel like a different type of competition. It really goes back to my earlier question. I was asking you to rank toxicity. Oh, gosh. And you basically said least toxic is League of Legends. Yeah. The second least toxic is finance. And then you basically said like, chess yeah. and then it was poker and streaming yeah, toward I most think, toxic i think streaming necessarily not necessarily toxic like people in it are toxic to each other which sure. they can be but i think it's just so tough on your mental to see yourself represented in numbers yeah day in and day out like what's my viewership today how was engagement on this post uh and unfortunately it's so easy like it's it can be so easy to say oh you're not your numbers but then your brand brands always ask you like okay so what were the stats on this it's like nemo what are you the stats are on that? <laughs> meaningful as a human being but also p.s what's your engagement rate and how many followers do you have yeah exactly right and it's like and and also you have to just think about all that stuff and you know it, it, it's just so tough sometimes and you're just looking you're sitting there and like well what if i want to have more lifestyle content 
And what if I just don't want to put any chest? But then the on numbers my might not be as good. Yeah, exactly. And it's just all these things that you have to constantly think about. And I think because of that, streaming can be extremely toxic because not only do you have to be good for me, at least in the game that I'm playing, there's obviously like just chatting streamers and people that yeah. don't have to play games or like don't want to play whatever it is. For me, I actually do kind of have to be good at this game. Yeah. I have to be entertaining. I have to think about my viewership. I have to think about what content does well, but I still have to be good at this game. <laughs> and it's just like, so much. Well. Yeah, I think it goes to what you said on if you were a streamer, this was not a hope do like let's yeah. have fun. You are throwing yourself into this intensely competitive and overwhelming set of things to care about to do well. I think streaming can be very, very fun. I think streaming can be amazing. And I understand that a lot of people want to become a streamer or become a content creator. But if you decide to make that like your whole livelihood, if you decide to make this the thing that you are good at, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of work, not in the sense like, like literal work. Like you have to work on your mannerisms. You have to work yeah. on like potentially take acting classes. Like I know some people take acting classes or take comedy classes or whatever it is, right? Like it's very seldom that you can just become a streamer out of the blue because you're just that funny and that good at games and that attractive and that, you know, like it's very difficult. And I think there's this concept in content creation or in, in the influencer world that like, oh man, these influencers are so lucky. And sure, you don't really get anywhere without luck. But at the same time, you have to make sure that you're there at the right moment with the right skills, mm. with the right background in yeah. order to get picked up on it's that. It's like you're not necessarily naturally funny. It's like, think if you're really funny. Wow. Why did you need to develop the skills to be so funny? <laughs> yeah. like, what did you go through? If you're good at talking, yeah. why did you learn how to be so good at talking? Right. If you're so good at chess or this game, there's some darkness there. <laughs> That now we get to show off and be fun and happy with people. But there's another side of that. Yeah. And I think with streaming, it's like I've definitely had a pretty, I would say, like, I'm very grateful for my streaming path. Like, I definitely did yeah. not have to start out from scratch. I had friends. Um, chess World was thankfully very small at that time. So if you were a chess streamer, you were most likely getting seen, especially during PogChamps as they as like it exploded. Um, and I was very lucky to have been friends with Alexandra Botez. Yeah, we love so, like, you, Alex. We love you, Alex. Yeah, I've known her for basically like, you know, 14 years now. Wow. Like, yeah, like 13 years. So I've known her a long time and she really gave me that first like yeah. leg up. She was actually the one that showed me what Twitch is. So like, wow. yeah. And goes to your point, very successful streamer, very great human being, mm -hmm. intensely competitive she is person. so competitive. Yeah. She is so competitive. I love that about her. She is, she wants to do the best in everything. And I honestly, like when I don't feel like putting out content, right. And I see her working on something like, for okay. like multiple months. I'm like, you know what? I can at least put in <sighs> like, you know, I can three today. hours. Like I could put in three hours to get this video done or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it, it's really, it really is insane because I think with content, you also have to be so consistent. So even if you don't want to do it, you have to do it. I think my last question for you is if you, Nemo, today met 10-year-old Nemo right after she was like, huh, I don't want to do this necessarily for the rest of my life, what would you tell her? I would
would tell her that it is okay to um, take it a little chill sometimes. To like, you don't have to grind as much as you did. I don't think some of those extra hours of chess really made a difference. Yeah, I think, I think like it's so difficult. The jumps in chess skill are so big that it's so hard to go the full way to becoming world champion. And probably winning world youth was like a satisfactory moment to kind of like ease out of it, like pick something else you want to do and go to school. I think that's like the most, mm. that's the best advice. Like just really like, I wish I had the time to reevaluate after I won world youth and been like, is this really something I want to do more of? Mm. Um, and just be like, hey, you know, even if you don't want to do it, that's okay. Maybe you'll want to do it in a month. Just give yourself that time for a break. Just give yourself the time to explore other things that you might want to do. Almost just like a little bit of mental relief. Like it's okay if you're not doing this all the time. Yeah, it really is. And you can probably still, I think that's what like my parents didn't realize. Yeah. Is that I could have probably still won some of the tournaments that I won if I had gotten some breaks. Like yeah. I think I would have actually been more invested in the game if I was like away for a week. I'm like, oh, now I really want to play again. Right. Instead of it going like day in, day out, like not being able to take a break. And I think it's just part of life. Sometimes you're not mentally well enough to do it. Sometimes you're not physically well enough to do it. Sometimes it's just okay to be like vacation time. Everybody needs that. that. Nemo, thank you so much for making time today. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Woo. This was fun. Wow, that was... Okay, I know we went on long. Thank you for your time. That was really, really good. That was... When it goes on long, it's because the conversation... Exactly. Really I was like, so many things. <laughs> oh, I didn't even ask... Oh, there's so many... Another day, I'll ask you more things. Like okay. The whole like Asian thing yeah. versus... Oh, there's so many things. So many interesting things about you, Nemo. Thank you. Thank you. I love doing this podcast. It was really nice.